This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. As you're being seated, if you would, turn your Bible to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. We're picking up today in our series on miracles of the New Testament. And we're walking through the New Testament first in the Gospels, discovering the patterns and the principles of these miracles so that we can walk in God's best, so that we can experience every blessing that our wonderful Heavenly Father has for us, and so that we can see every need met. And so we can do the works of Jesus and be a blessing not just to ourselves, but in the lives of others. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. So we've seen wonderful things happening and people here and people come and travel from all around looking for the meeting of their need. He could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. So she had a situation in which no one, no doctor could help her, but she had heard, obviously she had heard about the wonderful things taking place. And so she came, and the Bible says she fell at his feet. Now, in this series, a few months ago, we dealt with the fact that there is such a thing as demon possession. And it shouldn't surprise you. You know, every fall, you get to September, October, or you, you watch a movie, or you're trying to find something to watch, or you click on Apple TV, and it shows you what's coming. It's all this scary horror stuff, demon stuff. You know, people go to the movies to watch some scary movie about a scary house, but then they don't believe in the devil or they don't believe in hell. And someone might say, well, Pastor Austin, why do we not see some of these things? Well, well we do if you're paying attention. What we do in our society is we, we drug people and we, we medicate people to where they don't even know what's going on. But there have been times Few years ago, Pastor Sue and I went to pray for someone, teenage girl, and she was at a holding facility by Arlington Memorial Hospital, and it's a place where they have teenagers on lockdown. They're being watched, cared for 24 hours a day. And you understand somebody could be in a car accident or suffer a physical injury that affects their head, or football player could receive a concussion, have brain damage. There, there are ways in which someone can have a physical problem and yet we see if we are honest, we open our eyes, there are things going on that it's not physical, it is spiritual, and it is the devil. Across from that place, I've been to pray for someone, and it's a situation where a man mouthed off to an authority figure, 
So he got taken to a place for observation. But there they also have people under observation and drugged up that there, there's no answer for in the world. There's no solution for. And I remember when I went there to pray for this man, there was a, another girl. And they had physically restrained her, grown men holding her down, physically restrained to a bed, screaming the most vile, wicked things. The only explanation is that it is the devil. Now, how do these things happen? Doors get open. Once on a Friday evening, we had had prayer, and at the end of prayer, a mother approached me. I never had seen her before, must have been a visitor. She brought her little girl up, would have been seven or eight years old. She said, would you please pray for my daughter? I asked, what for? She said she suffers from nightmares. Well, sure, I'll pray, I'll pray for her daughter that she would have the peace of God, that she would have the mind of Christ, that she would sleep the sleep of the righteous. But I, I finished praying, and I did the pastoral part then. I said, well, ma'am, if your daughter's having nightmares, you have to look at and filter and change what your daughter is watching. And she looked at me as if I was speaking a foreign language. See, how do these things happen? Doors get open. Jessica and I have five kids, and Jessica, she can correct me if I'm wrong, but out of the five, I don't believe any of them has ever had nightmares. I don't believe any of them has ever woken us up at night because they were having a nightmare. And why is that? We're careful about what they watch, and we don't let them watch things that would cause them to have nightmares and to interrupt our sleep. Amen. So doors get open. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us in this situation, but doors get open. You know, we showed a video last Sunday to celebrate pastors' 50 years of preaching, and in that video were clips of long time ago in the 80s in Central America. But I remember my father telling me that when they would pray for people in Central America and pray for people suffering from demon possession, that one of the stories he would hear is how in some of the villages in Guatemala in the mountains when a woman was pregnant, she would want to know whether she was having a boy or a girl. And so they, they, they didn't have uh, all the technology we have. And so they would go to see the local witch doctor. And they would have the local witch doctor do witchcraft to discern the sex of the baby. My point is doors get open. And so in 2023, we have to guard ourselves. We have to guard our families. We have to guard what we watch and what we hear and what we listen to. When we're at, and I know it's hard. I mean, you would think you could go to the grocery store without being exposed to something you shouldn't see or your children shouldn't see. So it's difficult in the day in which we're living, but we have to do our best to guard ourselves, to guard our families, to guard our children. A woman, verse 25, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. She had heard some way, somehow, but who could help her? Only Jesus. She came in faith. Verse 26, the woman was a Greek, born in Syria, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus. So she was desperate and she was in need. And this was the only answer. This was the only solution. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. But he said, verse 27, first, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to their dogs. Now, you might say, Austin, this seems so offensive. We'll get to that. In those days, 
pious religious Jews looked down on anyone that was not a part of the tribe, their tribe. They looked down upon anyone that was outside of the covenant. You see examples in the Gospels. They looked down upon anyone in their history who was seen as compromising, the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, the Samaritans, and they looked down on outsiders. Greeks, Romans, you name it, they looked down upon them. And part of it was in the time before Jesus that because of where Israel was, because of where they were situated, they had suffered terribly from the nations around them. They had suffered terribly in recent years from the Greeks, from the Syrians, then later from the Romans. You go to the Bible and you see in the Old Testament and also the New Testament, reference to dogs. And no, we're not talking about your family pet, but reference to dogs. In the Old Testament, when they entered the promised land, there are references to the peoples of those lands behaving themselves like animals. In the book of Revelation, at the very end, when Jesus speaks of the city of God, Jesus, our Lord, says, outside are the dogs. Not referring to animals, but people outside the covenant. And so she comes to Jesus and she begs for help. And he says, first let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to their dogs. Verse 28, yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. So notice she wasn't offended. She responded in faith. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Now, now notice how easy this is. Notice how simple this is. You know, sometimes we get in our minds that to receive from God, we've got to do 25 things or we've got to do 55 things. Or, you know, again, if you've seen certain movies, you know, there's, there's a new one out in the last few months, you know, called The Pope's Exorcist. You watch movies like that, they'd have you believe it takes two days, three days, eight days. You got to have an interview with the devil. But that's not what we see in the Bible. Notice how easy this was. For such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. Jesus didn't do some long prayer. He didn't cry, he didn't scream, didn't, didn't shake the woman. Didn't go to the house to shake the devil out of her daughter. She spoke, and then Jesus said, For such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. So Jesus spoke a simple word of command, and it was done. Tell your neighbor, say, it was done. Tell your other neighbor, say, it was done. Number one, healing is the children's bread. If you're born again, you're a child of God. If you're born again, you're a part of the family of God. If you're born again, you're not an outsider looking in. You are an insider. But far, far too often, religion has us convinced that we're, we're not good enough, we're not worthy enough. And so we have to see from the Word of God what belongs to us. Number one, healing is the children's bread. If you're a child of God, healing belongs to you. Why don't we say that? Say, healing belongs to me. It belongs to you just as much as your eternal destination in heaven does. Healing belongs to you. Now, Tyre is modern-day Lebanon. Jesus 
this point was on the outskirts of Galilee. This woman was not a daughter of Abraham, yet because of her faith, Jesus showed mercy. Her daughter had been possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged Jesus to drive the demon out. But he said, Mark 7, 27, first, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to their dogs. In Matthew's account, Jesus explains that he was sent first to the lost sheep of Israel. And we know from the word of God, from the New Testament, that after what he did for us, it is on the cross, after what he did with his death, burial, and resurrection, those benefits have been expanded to all of us. And now we're a part of the family of God. This is why Paul wrote in Romans 4, beginning in verse 16, therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, that is the natural descendants of Abraham, the Jews, but also to those of us who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. I remember growing up in children's church, we'd sing about Father Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Why don't we say, say, I'm a part of the family. So we're a part of the family, and that means we've got the full rights, the full benefits, the full privileges. Now, this woman was an outsider, but you and I are not outsiders. Galatians 3 and verse 7, Paul wrote, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. We find out from what Paul writes in Galatians, in Galatians and Romans that it's by grace and it is by faith. We're a part of the family of God with the full rights and benefits and privileges. Galatians 3.9, so those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Say, say it this way, say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. So in Christ because of what he did on our behalf, we have been grafted into the tree of the family of God. And so it all belongs to us. Every benefit, every blessing. Salvation belongs to us. Healing belongs to us. Deliverance belongs to us. Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So he, he took the, the curse and he bore it upon himself and paid the price. Why? Verse 14, he redeemed us. That's you, that's me. In order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Everyone that was not a natural descendant of Abraham, that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Tell your neighbor, smile, say, that's you. Smile at your other neighbor and tell him, say, that's, that's you. So in Christ, we're included. And it, the blessings of God belonged to us in Christ. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So notice again, it's by faith. H how do we receive from God? By faith. And how did this precious woman, even though she was an outsider, even those who were the natural-born descendants of Abraham, looked down on her at being, being a Greek, being a Syrian Phoenician. Even though she was an outsider, how did she receive her miracle? It was by faith. Galatians 3.29, if you belong to Christ, 
Well, again, if you're born again, that's you. I'm born again, that's me. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is why John wrote in 1 John 3, beginning in verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now, if you're a guy, say, I'm a child of God. If you're a guy, say, I'm I'm a son of God. Now, if you're a lady, say, I'm a child of God. If you're a lady, say, I'm a daughter of God. So, So we're not outsiders. And too many Christian people then have the mentality that, that I would call an old covenant mentality that, that we're, we're servants or we're slaves. No, we're not. We are sons and daughters of Almighty God under the new covenant. And how do we receive from God? It is by grace, by faith in Christ, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So we're not going to be his children someday when the breath of life departs from our body and we're in heaven, we're in the city of God. No, no, no. Now we are the sons of God. Now you are a son of God. Now you are a daughter of God. If you're a child of God, healing belongs to you. Healing is the children's bread. Why don't we say that again? Say healing belongs to me. Say healing has my name on it. But this is why you've got to get in the word and see what the word of God says for yourself and become convinced that that it's yours, that it belongs to you, that it has your name on it. Number two, offense is a killer. Tell your neighbor, say offense is a killer. Tell your other neighbor, say offense is a killer. And we live in a society, there's so much wrong with it. But one of the problems is we live in an outraged society. Everybody's offended about something. And if they're not offended right now, just give them a few hours, they're going to be offended about something. You know, I, you know, follow people like mind and like faith. You know, they, they love the Lord, amen. But they're always fighting about something. And if it's one thing today, it's going to be something different tomorrow. We live in a culture, everybody's offended about something 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it is incredibly destructive. And offense will hinder you from receiving the blessings of God. I'm 41, I don't know if I've heard it all, but I've heard a lot. You know, again, last Sunday celebrated 50 years of pastor preaching. There were some photos and short video clips from the time when the church was pioneered, the Ramada Inn. 1984, 1985, 1986. But in those Ramada years, and the Ramada Inn is gone, all that up in North Arlington has changed so much. But where the Ramada Inn was nearby, in that same parking lot, was a Waffle House. And pastor once asked someone why, said, he asked a lady, said, why aren't you coming to church anymore? And the story was that one Sunday morning, either coming to church or leaving church, she saw my father cut through the Waffle House parking lot on the way to church. And she was offended by that. And that was her reason for never coming back. Now we laugh. You're, you're, you're trying to figure out, is, he, is, he, is, that, is that a true story? Yes. That was her reason to never come back. She saw a pastor cut through the Waffle House parking lot. 
Now, that, that's a silly example, but time and time again over the years, I've seen or I've heard about people getting offended about this or that, and most of the time it has to do with the preaching of the Word of God. But see, when you get offended by the Word, you don't hinder pastor, you don't hinder me, you don't hinder your neighbor, you hinder yourself, and you hinder you receiving from God. The Word of God convicts regarding sin and unrighteousness. And so the Word of God is offensive. You know, even as Jesus ministered, he would quote the prophet Isaiah about us having eyes to see and ears to hear. But the reality is some don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. That They don't repent. They don't give their lives to God. They don't make Him their everything. And that is a fulfillment of Scripture. Too often, ministers water down the Word of God to make it non-offensive. But when they do so, their message becomes impotent and powerless. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know, just, just yesterday, I filled up a car with gas. One of our daughters was asking me, said, Dad, I see that there are three different options. Why do you put the, the premium option in the car? And I, I was explaining that there, there are differences in engines and nicer engines and performance engines need a certain kind of fuel. And that to save money or for other reasons, if you put the wrong type of fuel in the car, you're going to have problems. And think about it. The answer is not something that's been watered down. You know, when, I, when Jessica and I go to get coffee, she gets decaffeinated. I get caffeinated. If I got decaffeinated, I would be in trouble here in a few hours. I, I don't want it watered down. I, I don't want it stripped of its caffeine. I, I want the real thing. The double shot, whatever it is. I need the real thing. Go to eat places now, and you think, well, man, that, that picture looks great. It's a burger. It's not a burger. It's a vegetable identifying as a burger. And I don't care what anyone says. It may be they've done something to it to make it look like a burger, but it ain't a burger. And if I'm going to eat a burger, I want a burger from a real cow. So when we, in our lives, dilute the truth or water down the truth to make ourselves feel better, that doesn't help us at the end of the day. Faith is offensive. The gospel is offensive. Truth is offensive. And God's word is offensive. So don't negate your faith by being easily offended. What did Jesus say? Mark 7, 27, first, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to their dogs. We all need to meditate on Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. We could say it this way. Great peace have they which love thy word, and nothing shall offend them. Say this, say, say nothing shall offend me. So when we pray and the Lord speaks to us or deals with us about something in our lives or something to get rid of or something to change or something to tweak, we ought not be offended. 
And if we, we come to church, and even though we think it's safe, because this is the topic, but then pastor gets on to some other topic, and we think, oh boy, has he been looking at my Facebook, which pastor doesn't have Facebook, he hasn't. But if he gets on something from the Word of God that convicts, that's for our good. That's for our benefit. So you got to turn that around and make it positive. God's kingdom is not for the fearful. I mentioned Revelation. Outside the city of God are the dogs, those who behave like animals. God's kingdom is not for the fearful. You read Revelation, you find out God's kingdom is also not for the cowardly or for the offended. Here's another old Bible word for this culture today. God's kingdom is not for the effeminate, anything watered down, or a situation, you know, is that a burger? Is that not a burger? Trying to figure out if it's a burger. You're like, is he still talking about burgers? No, I'm not. <laughs> See, when we deal in lies and falsehoods and deceptions, we hinder ourselves. And we hinder receiving from God. Matthew 11, verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay a hold of it. So this woman could have been offended, but she was not offended. She said in Mark 7, 28, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Pious religious Jews saw the Gentiles as dogs, but she was not offended. The result, she received the desire of her heart. She chose not to be offended, and she received the desire of her heart. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell an old story. I can't believe I'm going to tell this, but I'm going to. I remember once being on a trip with my dad. I would have been 15 or 16, and, you know, as a teenager, you go through awkward years. You know, there are those years that when there's a, a video or photo album, you make those pictures disappear. And uh, I remember we, I was on a trip with my dad and had a little chub going here. And I said, Dad, what's this line? What is that? He said, son, you need to lose weight and work out. Now, let me tell you, I was offended when he said that. You know, and I was only 15 or 16. But he spoke truth for my good. And see, we live in a culture where somebody will come to church or they'll go to Dr. A and they don't hear what they want to hear. So they get on Google, and there's some more options, right? And they'll, they'll find a church, or they'll find a pastor, or they'll find a doctor, they'll find someone who tells them what they want to hear. But that's not how you get your answer. That's not how you get your victory. That's not how you get your blessing. She chose. Tell your neighbor, say, she chose. Tell your other neighbor, say, she chose. She chose not to be offended. And so she received the desire of her heart. Verse 29, Jesus told her, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. Again, we see that healing and deliverance comes through authority. Jesus spoke a simple word of command and it was done. Verse 30, she went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Now let's go to Matthew's account, Matthew 15, beginning in verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. 
My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She creeps crying out after us. So she was desperate. She was in need. Again, I'm sure she had done all that she could. She knew that this was her only option. She keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. If you came to me or you asked Jessica, say, Jessica, why, why do not, why do y'all not have a dog? And she would tell you, it's because I'm a softy. In July and August in Texas, I would look outside and I would see that dog making a sad face. And I would say, I think that dog needs to be inside in the air conditioning. And then in the winter, in January or February, I'd be a softy again. I'd say, it looks cold. I think that dog needs to be inside. When that dog's inside, where's the dog going to eat? Yes, you get the, the, the pet food from the store, but where's the good stuff? It's from the table. And a family with children, you know that they would be feeding that dog under the table. So this precious woman was not offended. She responded in faith. She responded in wisdom. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. He answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Now, in the Gospels, when Jesus commends someone of having great faith, we have to pay attention. Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you well, but he did not identify her faith as great faith. He identified the centurion's faith as great faith. He said to Jesus, just say the word and I know it will be done. And the centurion was a Roman. We would say an Italian or from some other part of the Roman Empire. He was another man outside the covenant. And yet Jesus said he had great faith. And here we come to a woman outside the covenant, and Jesus said that she had great faith. Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Part of walking in God's best is knowing what belongs to you. Now, in the Bible, the, the meat of the word on one occasion is referred to as the sweet milk of the word, but other times the Bible talks in terms of meat, the meat of the word, and being spiritually mature enough to eat, to dine on the meat of the word. And so part of walking in God's best and God's blessings is knowing what belongs to you and not settling. Jessica and I once had a dog, and she did not last so long, maybe a year or two. It's a long story. But on one occasion, we happened to be at Walmart buying this or that, and I noticed that the dog food was cheaper at Walmart. And so I had an idea. I'm, I'm going to save some money. I'm going to buy, buy dog food from Walmart from now on. And I took that dog food home, I put that dog food in the bowl, 
And our, our Labrador, she came over and she sniffed that food and she refused to eat it. She must have known where it was from. <laughs> now, she was not our flesh and blood, but she lived in our house. She enjoyed our AC or our heat and she knew what belonged to her. And she knew she lived in a house where she deserved better than that. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, stop settling. Tell your other neighbor, say, stop settling. Stop settling. See, we, we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know what belongs to us. We need to know what family we're a part of. And we need to stop putting, out, putting up with whatever the devil is dishing out. We need to stop settling for less than God's best. Better to wait and to have God's best than to settle or to compromise. See, see, religion will convince you that you're not a son or daughter, you're a servant or slave. Religion will convince you you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, that even though you're a part of the family, you're not good enough or you're not worthy enough to sit at the table. Religion will convince you that you're just a dog, that all, all you need are the crumbs, but even the crumbs have great blessing. She told the Lord, she said, yes, Lord, but even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Think about what religion does. Religion convinces people that they can't know for certain whether or not it's God's will to heal. Religion convinces people that they're not good enough or they're not worthy enough, not even to have a crumb from the master's table. But again, if you're born again, if you're in Christ, you've been qualified. You're a son or daughter. So you have to picture the master's table. You have to picture pulling up a chair and sitting down. You have to picture dining at the master's table. And I want it all. Amen. I said, I want it all. Every blessing, salvation, healing, deliverance, the blessing of the Lord, I want it all. Jesus commended her answer, and he commended her faith. She was an outsider, outside the covenant. But because of her faith, Jesus showed her mercy. He told her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. In John 4, Jesus said, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. She was outside the covenant. She had no right to the covenant blessings. Yet she said, Lord, help me. He told her it is not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to their dogs. But unoffended, she shined. She was not walking by feelings. She walked by faith. And so she received the desire of her heart. I picture that night, a Friday night, we had finished praying. I, I was standing somewhere right, right here. And that lady brought her daughter, and I, I prayed for her daughter, that her daughter would have the, the peace of God and the mind of Christ, that her, her, her sleep would be sound. I, I prayed that if there was any spirit tormenting that girl, that that spirit would be gone and never come back. But when I spoke to that mother, and I told her that you have to guard your child, and you have to parent, and you have to guard what she watches and listens to, and you have to be aware of her friends. And if you let her go over to friends' homes, you have to, be, you have to know, well, what is she watching at their house? And if you can't or don't, then that's your answer. 
and I never saw her again. And I, I know my parents could tell a thousand stories like that. Aaron could tell a thousand stories like that. I could tell a thousand stories like that. I need an answer. I need a miracle. What do I do? The word of God gives us every answer. But if you get offended or if your feelings get hurt and you go on down the road to tell you, to find someone to tell you what you want to hear. Well, sure, you can just eat all you want. Sure, you can just watch anything you want. Do it and ask God for forgiveness later. If you find someone that tells you what you want to hear, you'll never get your answer. You'll never get your blessing. You'll never get your miracle. She was unoffended. And she was not walking by how she felt. She walked by faith. And so she received the desire of her heart. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. That's faith. Tell your neighbor, say, that's faith. Tell your other neighbor, say, that's faith. So Jesus told her, woman, you have great faith. So notice that when Jesus commended someone for having great faith, on both occasions, they were outsiders. Men and women outside the covenant. Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So he commended her answer. He commended her faith. And so we see a Jesus pattern. In this series, we see a Jesus pattern for healing. Touch or the laying on of hands is one Bible way to release healing. Jesus ministered in compassion, helping people up, not keeping them down. The good news is not that God wants you to suffer. The good news is that you don't need suffer any longer. Jesus ministered in joy. When people are saved and delivered and set free and healed, there's joy. And Jesus was not put off by hard, difficult cases. No case is too hard for the Lord. He is the great physician. And with him, all things are possible. Jesus also spoke words of authority to heal and deliver. That's another Bible way. But we see that miracles and healing and deliverance, it brings criticism. It brings opposition. Don't let that hinder you believing God. And finally, when the Lord does something wonderful, it's normal to go tell it. And that's why we say that what God has done in your life, he now wants to do through your life. Finally, number three, words can heal and words can kill. Words heal, but words also kill. This precious woman was outside the covenant Jesus ignored her because at that time, healing was the bread of the Jews. It was not yet the rightful bread of the Gentiles, not until we were grafted in through what Jesus did on our behalf. But praise God, we have been grafted in. The disciples said, send her away. She said, Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering, suffering terribly. So she desperately desired a miracle. Jesus said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. It is not right to take the children's bread, and toss it to their dogs. But she answered, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now consider this. She spoke simple words of faith, and a demon left her daughter. 
The demon left because of what she said. Words of offense and criticism only have destructive power. But words of faith release the power of God, which builds up. It doesn't tear, tear people down. The only thing the power of God destroys are the works of the devil. Words of offense and criticism only have destructive power. But words of faith release the power and the provision of God. Negative words open, words open doors of destruction. Faith-filled words open doors of blessing. This woman said her daughter was miles away. Jesus didn't touch her. He didn't lay hands on her. This woman said, and we see the power of our words and the power of our confession. She said, and her daughter was set free. T say this, say, what I say, what I say matters. matters. You're going to have a blessed week or you're going to have a horrible week. What you say matters. You're going to have a great year or a tough year. What you say matters. You are responsible for what you experience in life. Proverbs 18, beginning in verse 20 says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And the reality is most people speak death. Their default is death. But you can choose to speak life, not death. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Why don't we say that? Say, I shall have whatsoever I saith. So you determine what you receive from God. You determine what you receive from life. You know, this past week, Jessica and I were having to get something taken care of. And I think only twice in our married life have I ever had to tell someone, you leave and never come back. And then I had to call someone else. But, but that's an example of that. We ought not settle. We ought not put up with. We ought not tolerate. We ought to use our mouths to get what we want. He shall have whatsoever we saith. I remember going to eat with Dr. Fred Price, and he was very particular. Don't have time to get into that. But when you go out to eat and you, you order something, and they bring you something other than what you ordered. Don't accept it. Don't settle for it. Send it back. You might say, why, Austin? Why is that so important? Because every time you settle, you hurt your faith. Every time you settle, you deny the fact that you're a child of God. You're a son or daughter of Almighty God. You're a part of a royal family. Well, what do you think happens at Buckingham Palace when they, they bring the wrong thing? Trust me, it gets sent back. And I'm not talking about being prideful or arrogant or mean, but don't settle. Don't accept. You order it medium well or well done and you open up and it looks like sushi, send it back because it's not what you order. Because you've got to be of the mindset that Jesus, my Lord, said, I will have whatsoever I saith. 
So whether I'm believing God regarding my work, whether I'm believing God regarding my child, whether I'm at lunch just ordering lunch, I shall have whatsoever I say. And that's who we are in Christ. If you don't like the fruit of your life, change what you are saying. If you're weak, if you're defeated, change what you've been saying. To change your life, change your mouth. Speak life, not death. The miracle is in what you say. No minister can help you if you confess negativity. No minister can help you if you will not believe and confess the word of God. And like that mother, I can pray and I can believe God, but if she doesn't parent, if she doesn't guide, if she doesn't guard, if she doesn't discipline, if she doesn't watch and supervise what a child listens to, if she doesn't bring her child to church, if she doesn't bring her child to children's church. You know, sometimes I'll ask Aaron, does, does so-and-so bring their kids to youth? And they'll say no, and it, it breaks my heart. Can't do it for everyone. We will have whatsoever we saith, and we will also have whatsoever we do and are committed to. There is a time and place for rest and entertainment, but there is no victory in TV or social media or ball games. So you have to meditate on the word of God and renew your mind to the word of God and then speak it forth because you will have whatsoever you saith and the miracle is in your mouth. She was not offended. She said in faith and she received her miracle. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and you've heard me speak about the family of God and the benefits of the family of God. But first, you have to be a part of the family of God. And there is only one way to do that. And that is by repenting of your sins and asking Jesus Christ to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. This world that we live in, it'll, it'll tell you, it'll convince you that if you're just kind of good enough, that's sufficient, that you'll be in heaven someday. We, we live in a culture that's so deceived. You might be of the mindset that there's no hell and that we're all gonna be in heaven someday. That, that's, that's another lie. There is a heaven to be gained and there is a hell to be avoided. You might be of the mindset. This is another lie. That, that there are many ways to God, there are many paths to God that you can come up with your own way, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but that is a lie. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. And only through Jesus can we be a part of the family of God. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I've never asked Jesus into my heart, into my life. I've never made him the Lord and Savior of my life, but I want to. I want to be saved. I want to be a part of the family of God. That's you this morning. Wherever you're seated, raise your hand. Where I'll see you, I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to be a part of God's family. You might also be here today and at a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, walked an aisle, but you know, in your heart, you're away from God. You've been doing your own thing and you have paid the price. The Bible says that the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have a new beginning. You can have a fresh start. You can leave here today 
knowing you have peace with God. That's you this morning, wherever you're seated. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to recommit my life. That's you this morning. Raise your hand where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. You might be watching, listening online now or later and say, Austin, pray with me. Repeat this simple prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I repent of my sins and I ask Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I surrender every part of my life unto you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. Thank you for making me a part of your family. And I thank you that in Christ, every blessing belongs to me in Jesus' name. Please keep your heads bowed. You might be here today and maybe, I, I mentioned open doors. Maybe in your life, at some point, a door was open. Maybe you opened a door. Maybe you were younger and somebody else opened a door, but a door was open. By the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be free and you can never struggle again. And so if you're here this morning and need freedom, I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. Words of command, words of authority in Christ. I say in the name of Jesus, be free and struggle no more in Jesus' name. Now we have to do our part. And so whatever that is, you might have to be careful in your fellowship. You might have to be extra careful in what you watch or, or listen to. We, we have to do our part. The Lord will save us. The Lord will set us free. The Lord will bless us. But then we, we have to do our part. You know, the Lord will bless us to where we can eat the best of the lamb. I told that story when I was 15 or 16, asking my dad about something. He said, son, got to watch it. Got to exercise. Got to lose, lose some weight. God will bless us to where we eat the best of the lamb. But that's why we're to read Proverbs. Amen. There comes a time and a place to uh, push the plate away. God loves us. Our Father loves us. And he wants his best for us. Amen. I hope the message today was a blessing, encouragement to you.